Good morning, everybody. My name is Brandon, and I am the executive pastor of Renaissance Church. If you would, uh, flip your Bibles or scroll your Bibles to James chapter 1 as we begin. And starting in verse 5, he wrote, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man unstable in all his ways. Today I want to talk to you about wisdom. Let's pray. God, we love you so much, and we praise your holy, righteous name. We thank you for the generous grace and mercy and love you pour out on us in your Son, our Lord, Jesus Christ. God, I pray that trust in you would not just be a song we sing today, Lord God, but would be a walk we have. God, I pray that you would silence the voice of the enemy in this room, Lord God, to be able to be clear-minded, to dwell on your word and your goodness and your wisdom alone. God, we love you. And we come before you, worshiping you in the name of Jesus. Amen. And amen. I have one question for you and one question only. Who here, by show of hands, wants to be foolish? As I suspected. As I suspected. Most, if not all of us in this room, given the choice in any of life's circumstances would choose to be wise instead of foolish. Here we're continuing our sermon series in the book of James and Pastor Jordan, our lead pastor who you just met or saw, um, preached an amazing sermon about joy last week where James, the author of this book, uh, wrote and, and Jordan defined joy as a settled state of confidence and hope in God. An amazing sermon. You got to go listen to it if you haven't. And here James continues on in his letter. He's congruent. He's, he's writing to people who would read this letter. And he continues on to explain an important aspect of our joy that we tend to lack. And that aspect is the wisdom of God. But, but he starts off in an interesting way. He says in verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom. And when I think about this phrase, lacking wisdom, I immediately think about what's foolish when I hear lacking wisdom. And I immediately think about specific circumstances in my life where I don't want to be foolish. I really want to be wise here. I really want to choose rightly. Now think about different uh, job hunting seasons I've been in. Anybody in here might be going through something like that. But I remember job hunting 
I remember before I worked at the church, I was in the business world for several years, and I, I literally remember being on a, a day just like today, a beautiful sun and nice breeze on our ninth floor outdoor balcony overlooking Midtown, complimentary LaCroix in hand, <laughs> snack in the other, <laughs> feet kicked up, amazing benefits, and thinking about, should I leave this amazing organization and take an offer I had received to work at another amazing organization that was just the startup. It was just beginning to get its bearings and hoping to one day reach the status of the organization I was already at. A tough decision. And I pleaded from that deck for wisdom from God and I, and I called people that I, that I view as wise and asked them for their advice. I wanted to make the right decision. Things haven't always been that cushy, though, you know. I remember also having more month left than I had money. Amen? <laughs> I was just in the checkout line at Lidl a couple days ago making what needs to be our last grocery run of the month. You heard? <laughs> I had the checkout lady holding on. I, I know, based off this bill, there, there's some coupons that are not working. Let me, just, just give me a, I'll be right with you, I promise. This is... This is serious. Because I'm deciding, do I stick to the budget or do I provide an abundance of food for my family at the end of the month? Two good things. What do we do? I need wisdom. Or just about two years ago, my family and I moved four blocks. A very tough decision. And as you know, Harlem is very hyper-local. Moving four blocks, that's a different world. <laughs> We're in a different, we have a different zip code. Kids are zoned for different schools, just off those four blocks. And moving is a tough decision, whether you're moving four blocks or some of you in here may be considering or having moved four states or 400 miles. It is a decision that you want to be wise about. But it is in these life's moments that we begin to realize that wisdom isn't so much a decision between what's wise and what's foolish. Wisdom isn't a simply a decision between what's good and what's bad. It's difficult to move from one amazing place to another amazing place. It's in these moments we realize that wisdom is better defined as deciding between what's right and what's almost right. What's right and what's almost right. And thus biblical wisdom, what James is talking about here, not just any wisdom, he's talking about biblical wisdom. If any of you lacks wisdom can be defined as discerning and carrying out the will of God. Both discerning and carrying out, emphasis on the carrying out the will of God. But you know, we have two major issues when it comes to wisdom. The first is that wisdom is above us. He says in verse 5, he says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. He didn't say, if any of you lacks wisdom, then turn inwardly for a special portion of determination. He, he doesn't say, if any of you lacks wisdom, pick up a book, read more. No, he says, if any of you lacks wisdom, pray to God who gives generously to all without reproach. Wisdom is above us. It is not something that is intrinsic to 
us. He says, don't look inwardly, look to God for a special portion of the Holy Spirit who grants wisdom. James is saying we all lack wisdom. We all lack the natural ability to to discern and carry out the will of God in our daily dealings and the, the things that we face every day. And he says, the solution is to pray. If any of you lacks wisdom, pray. Or Job put it pretty eloquently when he said in Job chapter 28, starting in verse 12, but where shall wisdom be found? And where is the place of understanding? Man does not know its worth, and it is not found in the land of the living. You can't find the wisdom of God. The deep says, it is not in me. And the sea says, it is not with me. It cannot be bought for gold. And silver cannot be weighed as its price. You can't buy wisdom. And skip into verse 20. He says, from where then does wisdom come? And where is the place of understanding? It is hidden from the eyes of all living and concealed from the birds of the air. Abaddon and death say, we have heard a rumor of it with our ears. God understands the way to it. For he knows its place. For he looks to the ends of the earth and sees everything under the heavens when he gave to the wind its weight and apportioned the waters by measure. When he made a decree for the rain and a way for the lightning of the thunder, then he saw it and declared it. He established it and searched it out. And he said to man, behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to turn away from evil is understanding. See, wisdom is not intrinsic to us, but often we act like it is. Wisdom is above us. And the second issue Pride is within us. <laughs> Biblical literacy is at an all-time low. I say that because Barna estimates well over 50% of people in the United States say that they engage with their Bibles once a year or less. But our social media use is at an all-time high. Man, I'm, I'm right there with you. <laughs> but you know what I realize is that Many times we know just enough about God to doubt God. And Hosea said, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. But I will say having doubts and living in doubt are two different things. They should be separated. And that is what James is, is talking about here. Not only doubt as a thought, but doubt as a personal descriptor. Doubt, the, the, having the characteristic of doubt, embodying doubt. James is talking about living in doubt in verse 6 when he says, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. Living in doubt. 
Because you know, we've heard just enough TikTok takes. We've heard just enough religious reels. We've heard just enough YouTube conspiracies. We've listened to just enough Dr. Umar. Can I name the people? <laughs> We've heard just enough Mason Menninger to go, did God actually say? Hmm. Did God actually say? What am I talking about? In Genesis 3, verse 1, right? Satan said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the question itself is so sinister. It has a lie baked in it. No, God didn't say you can't eat of any tree in the garden. But we see here that sin entered the world because of a lack and a failure to apply the wisdom of God in a critical scenario. They lived in doubt toward God. And sin entered the world because of that, because of a failure to remember what God actually did say. And because of that failure to remember, they acted in doubt. They didn't just doubt in their minds. They lived it out. They lived out doubt in the wisdom of God, our generous God. And they doubted him, specifically doubting that God was generous to them. Which is why James writes to remind us in verse 5, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach. God had never lacked generosity to them, but they identified as those who had lacked generosity from God. He had never hurt them, but yet here they are in verse 7, supposing that they will not receive anything from God that is good. You know, every single day after football practice in high school, I would walk to the corner store at the corner at the block my high school was on. I would grab a honey bun, <laughs> those sweet, sweet honey buns. They don't taste like they used to, and they're definitely not. I had one recently. I was like, this isn't how I remembered it when I was 15. And then right next door to the corner store was Max West Indian, and I would get some West Indian food, and I would walk into the double doors. The breeze would hit me from the sun, feeling real nice in there always. And I would take my $2 cash out my pocket, and I would hand it to Mrs. Jones. And she knew me by name. Even though she knew my name was Brandon, she would call me Marlon. I don't know why. But it stuck. I don't know. I think she said I looked like somebody that she knew from, I don't know. Marlon, how you doing, Marlon? <laughs> I would hand her my $2, and she would know my order right away, a rice and peas and an oxtail gravy. She, she would pour it on. She would pour it on. I knew Miss Jones, all right? We, we, we go back, you know what I'm saying? We, this, this is, <laughs> she's from around the way. I would give her my $2. She would put it in the cash register. She would slam it shut and disappear behind the plastic beads. 
She would take her quintessential 15 minutes to assemble such rice and peas. You know, my theory is that, you know, the extra 15 minutes they make you wait there, like, it's, it's the, mar- they're marinating it longer. That, that, like, that's the extra flavor you don't get other places. That's why it's good. And if they don't, if you don't get that weight, then you don't get the flavor. That's why they got to make you wait the extra, the extra 15. But Miss Jones would always come back and knowing me to be the broke high school athlete that I was, knew I wanted more than just gravy. There would always be, I could count on it, to be a couple good chunks of actual oxtail meat in that gravy. <laughs> amen. Amen, somebody. And because Miss Jones really loved me, not because of anything I had done for her, but she loved me, she would always make sure there were a couple bone-in pieces of oxtail in there as well. She would pour it on. She knew that I needed her generosity. And what, what, what James is reminding us here in, in James 1.5 is that in Jesus, you have an oxtail gravy kind of generosity from God. We need his generosity, and, and, and in Jesus, he pours it out lavishly. We, we, we get the, the, the bottom of the pot, savory, fall off the bone, meat from God, even though our payment didn't earn it. And he's reminding us not to doubt the generosity of God in the situations that you're facing right now. That he will give you wisdom. That he will give you wisdom. But not only did they doubt the generosity of God, they doubted that God had freed them. They doubted that in God they were free at all. Adam and Eve, when they were in the garden, they they believed that God was keeping them from good things. Not only did they believe that God was keeping them from good things, they believed that God was keeping good things from them. And don't you see the, the very root of Satan's lie in the garden is to get humans to believe that the commands of God are not a blessing But he said in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, the first thing he says to us is a command and a blessing. He said, and God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And we see there the first words God spoke to us, both a blessing and a command. But yet it is the very lie of the accuser himself to get you to believe otherwise, to make you believe that in God's commands are something being withheld from you that you ought to have, actually. And in this way, they were living in doubt, like verse 6, and being thrown like waves by wind. And you know, wind in the Bible is often used to describe meaningless Things and, and so are we when we grasp for wisdom from below instead of wisdom from above. Don't doubt the wisdom of God. 
And true freedom is found in the wisdom of God. And in Jesus Christ, you will receive it. It will be given him or her. That's why James calls the word of God in James 1.25, the law of liberty. I like that. The law of liberty. In Psalm 119.45 says, I will walk about in freedom for I have sought your precepts. There is true freedom in God's word. There is true freedom in the, the commands of God. You can think about it this way. Because I listen to my bodily command to sleep every day, I live in the freedom of good health. And if I don't listen to that command, if I listen to my two-month-old baby, (laughs) instead, I will live underneath the bondage and the slavery of poor health. And so we see in these small examples that commands in and of themselves are not restrictive. In fact, listening to the right restrictions and limitations that we have as humans and as children of God frees us to live boldly in the wisdom of God, frees us to have a settled state of confidence and hope that is active. And knowing freedom is in God, we can have that. That wisdom of God, that is Jesus, who is wisdom embodied. And we can put our faith in in Jesus. And when we put our faith in Jesus, we receive the wisdom of God and we ought to be confident in that. Knowing that Jesus is with us always, meaning even now, even right now, Jesus is among us. He is guiding us. He is putting desires on your hearts. Do we truly believe that we have received the generosity of God if we have placed our faith in Jesus? If we believe that, then we ought to go forward, confidently acting upon the wisdom God has implanted in us. You know, 2 Chronicles 1, chapter 10, I mean, uh, 1, verse 10, Solomon, the man of wisdom, prays for wisdom, and he says, actually, I'll start back in verse 9. O Lord God, let your word to David, my father, be now fulfilled. For you have made me king over a people as numerous as the dust. dust. Give me now wisdom and knowledge to go out and come in before this people. For who can govern this people of yours, which is so Great. He said, give me wisdom to go out. And there we see wisdom is not this docile thing. Wisdom is not just something we seek so that we might be puffed up. Wisdom is more than believing rightly. It's doing rightly. It is going forward confidently in the generous, the generous goodness and grace and mercy of God that has been imparted to you in Jesus. And so James says, pray. 
pray to God earnestly, believing God is who he said he is, Emmanuel, God with us. And that at least means that we who have placed our faith in Jesus can move forward decisively as if the Holy Spirit is working in you because Jesus said he gifted it to you. And you can move forward as if you have a present God who shapes your desires and will open and close the right doors, as if you have a present God who you are not stronger than or who you are not strong enough to work outside of the will of. You can work toward the things that God has placed on your heart as if the Holy Spirit is in you, molding you, shifting you, uh, creating desires and placing them on your heart unto the glory of Jesus Christ, believing that God has your hand and your heart. And it is from this kind of confident belief that many of our grandmothers and grandfathers, I know my grandmother Lottie from James Varick Memorial AME sang confidently, precious Lord, take my hand. She sang, precious Lord, take my hand. See, that was that, was that confidence because she knew God was close, close enough to take her hand. Lead me. On, let me stand. Because they sang knowing that they needed God in all things and that he would set them on their feet through every storm. They said, through the storm, through the night, lead me. On to the light, take my hand, precious Lord, lead me home. Because they knew that they had a present God leading them home leading them home in eternity, sure, also leading them home in their daily dealings and the things that they faced right then and there, leading them home, equipping them in their pleadings to face all that they had to face with the wisdom, the settled, gracious, powerful wisdom of God. With those who have ears to hear, let them do so. Amen.